I'm Sherry Dunleavy, your inspirationista, host, and a grieving mom. Welcome to the Grief Anonymous podcast. Grief is a journey, and I'm 20 years into mine. No matter where you are in yours, I hope you'll join me as I provide you with information, tools, and experts to help guide you through the darkness of death into the light of living. Help is on the way. Today, we're going to be talking with Dr. Joshua Black, who is a grief dreams researcher. He's a speaker and an author and a host of the Grief Dreams podcast. And he's focused off his professional work on studying grief dreams. And that's why I was so excited to talk with him today. So thank you very much uh, for joining us, Joshua. I'm, I'm so thrilled to have you here with us today. Oh, thank you for having me. So let's get into it. Let's just get into your story. How were you led into studying uh, grief dreams? It wasn't by choice. You know, I guess most of us that are in the grief field, it's not by choice. And so I'll go back to the beginning where basically I had a loss and it was the death of my father. I was an undergrad, had no desire to do my master's or PhD didn't, you know, like I wanted to be an elementary school teacher. That was my path. And that was a path my dad kind of set for me since I was a kid. He mm -hmm. always said they had good pensions. So like, <laughs> I should try to be a teacher. <laughs> um, but then when I was in my, well, my second year uh, or my third year of university, that's when he died very suddenly. Oh. And it was the first time I, first time I ever suffered a, a loss from someone I deeply cared for is the best mm -hmm. way to put it. And it shook my world. I didn't know what was going on within me. It was, it was a scary feeling. And I like to sort of put the analogy as it took all the color away from my world. Mm -hmm. I was just almost, I went back to school after he died. It was almost in this like weird kind of just, you're just going through the motions. Nothing mm -hmm. means really anything, but you know you're supposed to do it. Mm -hmm. And that's where I was. And I was lucky to have uh, a couple of friends to sort of um, help me not do some um bad decisions is the best way to right it. right well like i wanted to drop out of school and go travel to israel because that was a, one of the last places he said that he wanted to take me um and so you're trying to do these memorial things but i was willing to throw away everything that i was doing in life when it comes to the finishing my degree and so it was nice that people were able to put me back on track to at least finish um were like keep me on the path until mm -hmm. sort of things sort of work through so i worked through that grief and you know, i should mention that when my dad died we we're going to go to a hockey game mm -hmm. and he just never showed up and so the shock of it all was like three days later that's when i found out that he was actually dead in his apartment and as i said like the tears that i had following that were, were painful i don't know if people have it either but like when I cried that day, it was almost like it felt like acid on my eyes. It was just like so mm. painful. It wasn't just like it was wet. It was like, mm -hmm. it felt like I didn't have, well, I never really cried as a good male for, <laughs> for right. a long time. And that really opened up everything for me. And so that's, that's where it left off. And I didn't know where to seek help. I didn't, that wasn't even a thing. I just went back to school and tried to get back to the routine. It was only three months after I actually had a dream. I wasn't looking for a dream. I didn't even really know too much about it. And I had a dream that changed me. So I'll tell you the dream. I mm -hmm. was 
sleeping and then in the dream I was in my bed and I saw my father at the end of the room and he had like <laughs> he always wore these promotional t-shirts that you like uh-huh. find in like the beer, beer case and stuff so he, had, <laughs> he had one of those on which is really funny um, but he looked good he looked so healthy he looked happy more happy than he's ever been like he was uh, he always carried a lot of weight with him in waking life and he drank a lot um, to cope with his emotions Mm-hmm. And so it was the first time I really saw him happy, right? Almost at peace. Mm-hmm. And so he was looking through some of my clutter. At that time, I was, uh, I had a lot of stuff in my room. <laughs> and so I walked up to him and I said, you know, I'm, I'm going to miss you. Acknowledging the loss. And I said, I loved him and I hugged. And, you know, we, we embraced and I woke up. And the craziest thing, when I woke up, the color came back into my world i don't know what happened i don't know i still don't know what occurred um for it to do such a 180 um Mm -hmm. from where i was prior to where i am now but i just sat at the edge of my bed and i just sat in the mystery understanding the feelings have changed and looking back i understand that i did have a block because i never said goodbye which was probably impeding my my grief and also that as a typical guy, I never told him I loved him as much as I could. I don't know the last time I did, maybe when I was a kid or something, right? So mm-hmm. it was just like that implied I love you, but never actually saying it. So for me to actually say it in the dream, I think had some significance in also my, my grief journey. So those two things, looking back, it really opened me up to having joy back in my life, but I could still have sadness. So I was able to sort of regulate the emotions and have both. And from that point on, I valued these dreams, but I never told anyone about the dream. Mm -hmm. Don't know why, I just never did. And it was only after I was done school, I didn't know what I wanted to do. I didn't want to be an elementary school teacher anymore, um, just because he died and that kind of pull wasn't there anymore. And so I just, uh, as I tried to figure out what direction I wanted to go in, I volunteered with uh, a a hospice to basically run support groups and Mm -hmm. one-on-one, I guess, support with the bereaved. And they kept bringing up these dreams that they want to have, that they didn't have, try to get an understanding of the dreams that they did have. And uh, since I was just finishing the psychology degree, I, I looked at the research to see if there's anything I could do to help them. And there wasn't really anything there. Mm-hmm. And that's when I had a moment where I'm like, do I go back to school to do this? Mm-hmm. And I said, well, if no one's done it in this long a time, like if it's not me, who's it going to be? So I just, you know, you know, like, so <laughs> right. I that was the same thing that happened with me. <laughs> it's like, what do you, what do you do? And so where I was living at the time was very interesting. They actually had a dream researcher. And so I talked to her and I applied and I got in and then I was able to do my PhD with, and both people didn't study grief dreams. And this is what the, the very beautiful thing of the topic is, is that, I needed to find someone to approve the research I'm doing, even though they weren't doing it. Right. Usually that's not the case. Usually you do the work that the researcher is actually doing and you're just really helping that aspect of their studies Mm -hmm. along. But this was like just really making a new path altogether. And I was able to do that. And here I am today, really just, you know, spreading awareness and answering questions that people have, but it's amazing to see the real life um, benefits of this research so Mm -hmm. soon. A lot of times people do research and you may not see the benefits for years. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but now it's like you do you do a study and people are longing for those answers and it was nice i was able to answer probably like six or seven really common questions that people had that there wasn't really any answers for wow that's that is an awesome story and i do believe that a lot of people that are called into the world of grief because i don't think anyone wants to choose this kind of work right um but um, it's so meaningful it's so helpful and in some way you're called to it and um if not me then who was the same same realization that i came to but i want to backtrack a little bit because you said that you woke up from the dream and started seeing in color again and life uh it, something miraculous took place in you some miraculous healing really yeah uh, did anyone else notice this besides you i don't know i, I don't remember hmm. yeah it's not like there was a bunch of people knocking at my door asking about my grief either too right so <laughs> yeah you know i was you know 20 five you know after the funeral so mm -hmm. you know like in that age group there wasn't a lot of support in that that way you know like i was dating someone and there's probably a shift there that she would have saw if i if i asked her mm -hmm. but in general most people don't ask about your grief so they don't really say oh well, you're doing better what happened you know like no, <laughs> no one just people stay away and you know i understand it's uncomfortable people to even bring up the topic and they just sort of really just if they see you're okay they're not going to ask any questions or if right. you're going doing your normal stuff, they're not going to ask any questions. So right. um, at that time, what was that like 15 years ago now, or, mm -hmm. you know, like 12 years ago. So, um, yeah. Yeah. That's, and that's where my end is, is my mm -hmm. end is to educate those people to, you know, ask about this stuff because sometimes, you know, we put on these masks that we are fine and we're not, but um, yeah. getting back to you and the work that you're doing. So you had this grief, uh, you had this dream. Uh, it, 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 totally was transformative for you you yeah. you it leads you to your current work that you're doing now and mm -hmm. let's fast forward to the current work that you're doing now what exactly is it i know you have a podcast where you talk to people about their grief dreams but what what have you learned what are some of those questions that people have so one of the one of the main questions was is it even common Right? That's a good question. <laughs> yeah. And so I've done three studies that actually looked at, you know, what was the frequency um, when it comes to having a dream of the deceased. And so after spousal loss within the first year or two, it was 86% of people. Um, after pet loss, it was 76% within the first uh, year. And then prenatal loss, it was 58%. And so these are huge numbers that we haven't studied like in the sense of like how big the topic truly is. So not just, you know, like spousal loss, which is huge, but you know, prenatal and pet loss, which are disenfranchised, they're having these dreams too. And so I really looked at, you know, then what kind of dreams are they having? And most people are having positive dreams, which is really surprising. I didn't think that was actually going to be the case, even though my dream was positive, you know, based on dream research, mm -hmm. it shouldn't be the case. So, little uh, tidbit about dreams so dreams reflect our waking life which most people would know you just look at it a little bit in detail and understand what you're watching and how you're feeling it really you can really sort of look at your dreams and, and see how they match and so after so in general we have negative dreams because we're watching a lot of negative stuff on tv and we're, we have a lot of anxiety just through our, through our everyday life that sort of creeps in after trauma you have even more negative dreams than usual and so you would think 
after grief, you'd have you know, more negative dreams. But when it comes to the deceased in the imagery, you're having more positive dreams, which goes against everything that we know. So something else is going on, which I think is really fascinating. Um, people still do have negative dreams. They're not as common. So if you look at just dreams and the dreams they do have in general, like 90, around 90% of people will have a positive dream. Um, 40% under maybe will have a negative dream. But those who have a negative dream will also tend to have a positive dream. It's very interesting. But people who have positive dreams tend to just, you know, like if you have one dream, it may just be positive. If you have a negative dream, that, that will change at some time in the future, it seems. Uh, and a theory is as your grief changes and you work through some of those emotions, maybe guilt or regret, then it can turn into something more positive. And that's what sort of you have. So that was like the big thing to really sort of showcase, wow, what's going on here? Something is different. And so the, the other big question people had was, oh, why don't I have a dream? And so when I talked to people um, in grief groups and other clinicians, that's one of the common questions people are saying is like, why, why don't they, or I don't talk about dreams in the group because someone may not have one and they may get jealous, which is understandable. And people do get jealous when they don't have an experience, a positive experience like someone else. And so I really looked at that. And also when I talked to the bereaved, one of the common things that they're saying, you know, it's, 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 it's very interesting how when we don't know something, we tend mm -hmm. to put it on something negative. So a lot of people, they don't know why they're not dreaming. But when you're in grief, for some reason, you're putting it on something negative. Like if you're spiritual, you'll say maybe they, they didn't cross over. Maybe they just don't love me anymore and they got other things to do. Um, or maybe they're mad at me. Maybe they're holding back their visit because of something I did. Maybe I didn't give him that funeral he wanted. Or maybe, you know, all this sort of stuff. I never heard of one positive thing or one like, something that actually could help them as they heal. Mm -hmm. All the answers I got were all, always things that would hinder them, in my opinion. So I want to really look at a scientific explanation you can actually give these individuals to sort of say, hey, maybe it's not that. Maybe it's something else. And so I looked at a lot of factors from like age, gender, um, if you're spiritual, um, attachment, openness to experience, grief intensity, dreams recall in general. And what I found in multiple studies was the main predictor was dream recall. And so the more you remember your dreams in general, the more you're going to remember one of these types of dreams, mm -hmm. which would say is that you're probably dreaming of the deceased. You're just not remembering it when you wake up. Well, it's funny and that you say that because um, my husband had a dream of my son, you know, mm. my son came and visited him and yeah. he didn't visit me and yeah. that was very 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 tough on me i do remember dreams though um, mm -hmm. i can remember dreams vividly and um i just i did go through those feelings because i thought my gosh this is you know he heard my heartbeat he was with me you know more than anything why is he not visiting me and that was very right. very very challenging for me um and I don't know. And, 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 you know, one of the things I was wondering is um, I didn't fully get to grieve him. I feel at the time because I was on antidepressants and I wonder if that played a role in some manner uh, might be something um, that I don't know, but it was, it was very interesting. And I remember feeling that jealousy and that sadness at the time. Mm. And it's, a it's tough for people. I think that's a lot of reason why people hold on to these dreams because they don't mm -hmm. want people to feel that way. 
Right. And so a lot of people, I think, just don't understand the amount of people who are dreaming around them about mm -hmm. that individual. And that's why we, I always say we need to ask the question. But when it comes to you, drugs can actually change your dreams and reduce your dreams. Mm -hmm. um, and so that could be a possibility on what was going on there. But also, you know, the timing of everything is crucial, too. And when these dreams happen, as much as I don't know, you know, some people it's right away. Other people, it takes a year or so. But like they do occur in some form at some point. And sometimes you just need to hit that milestone when it happens. I've had, you know, someone on my podcast came on and she, her mom died when she was a kid. Mm -hmm. And she didn't dream about her at all. And so she came on the podcast, we chatted. And what came out was that she, when she was little, everyone lied to her about her mom's death. Because there was a big earthquake and a lot of people died. And so mm -hmm. to try to save her, they basically lied to her. And then um, it came out too that she never actually visited the gravesite. Mm. And I, you know, you ask her sort of why, and it's like there tells her some type of avoidance of the reality of the death. Mm. Because if you went, then you know it's true. Mm -hmm. Anyway, she went after all like forty some years. She went soon after she had a dream of her mom. And so it's very interesting when these dreams can happen. And it's like it's it's. I always say if, you, if someone does have a dream of someone that you do love or care about, use that as if it's your own and, and understand the magic within that for them, but also you can take it for you until you have your own experience as you move forward. We still don't fully understand why some people get them and other people don't. We mm -hmm. do know dream recall is very important. And so the more people remember their dreams in general, the more they're likely to remember one of these dreams. But mm -hmm. it could also be if you're in great distress and you're having um, it, it seems like he meant a lot to you. You could have had negative dreams of him and your mind was basically not trying to remember those ones. No, maybe. Because there is a lot of very traumatic dreams that people have that actually can impede them in their grieving, especially mm -hmm. like, like I said, I studied like prenatal loss, which is kind of pretty close mm -hmm. to sort of um, what you were dealing with there. And the horror dreams I've seen from like the blood from everything, you don't want to wake up from one of those dreams. It can really ruin you in your mood, but also make you afraid to go to bed. And so this is sort of one of the things that I want to explore more. So like, why are we having sort of these negative dreams? Um, and what can we do to help people through those? Because I said, it's, it's very common um, to have a negative dream, but right. it's more common to have a positive one. Right. So let me ask you this about dreams. So um, are you finding that people that maybe who lost loved ones due to, you know, traumatic experiences suddenly, um, maybe to homicide or suicide, um, that they are having positive dreams too, or are they having nightmares? They're having, well, in the, the research I've done so far, there is a correlation between those traumatic deaths and having negative dreams. Uh-huh. Um, but they can too have positive dreams also. And that's the mystery of it all. But there is a link between trauma like, and you know, in these negative dreams. I noticed that you use the word mystery a lot. Um, that sounds like, it sounds like spiritual talk. Has this made you a more spiritual person or is spirituality even a part of this? How have you changed uh, since doing this research in your belief system and, and all of that? I don't know if it changed me too much in my belief system. I was spiritual prior mm -hmm. to everything. Um, but I've always just focused on 
trying to love myself and that's opened up my world more than you know like trying to believe in something in the after it's more about how can i love who i am now and that's opened me up to a different viewpoint of these dreams a lot of these dreams the main message in them is love in the sense of when it comes to the positive dreams you ask people what it is and it's the peace and the love they feel and that is something that i really look at and and i think that is where the change happens it's not because like they're in an afterlife if that's something you believe i think there's something in the moment in the dream where it's the most loving experience you've ever felt and that has the ability to change you i truly believe and i think that's the mystery and i think a lot of um a lot of people try to get there in their waking life but it's so hard because mm-hmm. you have so many stresses from the the past to the future to what's going on in the present especially with the pandemic all this stuff is just creeping in and like when do you find that peace and that when that dream i had with my father there is nothing like the future didn't matter in the past almost didn't really exist because it was just like this loving peace and you see this and that's when people will say it transformed them the most is when they have that moment and so i always say if you can have it in a dream why can't you have it in waking life so i've always been trying to get to that point where i can have that moment now i think that's you know maybe people might call it mindfulness or they try to like name it different things but i think that's what they're really getting at is can you sit in the moment in time and love who you are and also your experiences you know so far in this world so um but yeah i looked at spirituality when it comes to this because people thought maybe it's only spiritual people that have these dreams which is you know it's an interesting concept and that's not the case so everyone's having these dreams and people from different religions are all having these dreams it's the interpretation they give that's mm-hmm. different there is some um images that would be different right like so you wouldn't have normally have an individual who's not spiritual have an angel come to them and mm-hmm. you know and say they're okay in heaven like you wouldn't really have that mm-hmm. but if someone who believes in heaven would have something like that more like the or a question asked like what's heaven like like that's mm-hmm. something that would be in there but the main message in all of them across is love is it love is love mm-hmm. so um is it also a relief to the person to the bereaved that their loved one they have reassurance that they're okay that's the major concern and when you when you ask people who are spiritual you know maybe why they want a dream let's say they haven't Mm-hmm. There's a couple of reasons and one of them is that they've crossed over and I sort of look at that in my own life and when I was a kid my mom always wanted me to call when I got to my friend's house right like <laughs> it's just her thing and it was just like we care so much about people we want to know that they're okay and that you know when someone dies it doesn't change if you believe that there's a soul and I think that's a main part of on top of the love that you need yourself you also care so much about them and you want to make sure they're okay. And I've heard um from people that it's because when they don't get a dream, they may tend to see go see a medium, which I think's interesting. Um because what they're looking for is that confirmation that they're right. okay. And that's really sort of what you see and that's sort of the common denominator of really all of it. But if you're not spiritual, it's what's interesting is you still get these you can have these images where the deceased tells you that they're okay. And so, you know, like this is sort of the really funny thing about these dreams is that even though people aren't spiritual, they can still have a profound effect on mm-hmm. who they are and what they say is very interesting also. So, that's why like as much as I came in here, you know, with some sort of spirituality, 
it doesn't really govern my work too much. What governs my work is sort of what people's experiences are and to see that pattern. And that pattern is a very beautiful pattern if you know how to look at it. Um, so, you know, wanting to know that they're okay, but also maybe even being reflected back that you'll be okay too without them, right? Well, that's the whole point is I think when you learn to, when you can have that love, Mm -hmm. you realize everything's okay. And in those moments, when even when you wake up, it could be sad, but because now you're regulating your emotions a bit more, there's hope, there's this peace. Mm -hmm. And that helps you as you maintain the momentum to work through a lot of your, you know, a lot of the struggles because our identity is changed now that the individual's gone. A lot of things that we relied on is different. And these dreams can help us in those, whatever your issue is, if it is sort of trying to raise the kids by yourself or you know, tr- anything, any, mm-hmm. any concept, a dream can help you in that aspect, can give you an answer to that. So the deceased will provide an answer to a lot of the questions that you may have, even so like say the, the suicide, mm-hmm. they may even answer the why question, which a lot of people really wanna know and cause them a lot of uh, turmoil, but these mm-hmm. dreams can answer that. And it's nice to sort of be able to, for people to have that peace and get that response and you know as people always want to say like is it a visitation or not and and i have no idea you know i Mm -hmm. I can't tell anyone that but i can tell you the beauty the beauty of the responses and the changes people do get and so it's really up to people's belief systems on how they interpret the dream and it's only if it's negative do i ever intervene so some Mm -hmm. people believe negative dreams are hauntings no. Okay. Yeah. So, so you've done this research. Um, it, you find that it, you know, it, it's something that's pretty common in a mm-hmm. lot of people who are grieving. Now, what's the next step in this research? What do you, what do you plan to do with, with your findings? Or are you still just seeking answers? <laughs> Always seeking answers. But really, <laughs> it's to raise, it's really to raise awareness. And you got to understand because there's no research um in the area people that are grief counselors people in thanatology they don't know anything about it so raising awareness is my next step and hence the podcast hence you know the my social media stuff and the website website's great because i have the like in griefdreams.ca it has the common questions people have and it's amazing how many people are going to that site and then reaching out um, and emailing me about experiences they've had and that is the way i believe a movement starts if, you, if I tried to just go to academic conferences, the only people that are going to know about this work are people who are in academia, which may or may not care. Right. You know, like I've, I've talked to enough people who just don't care. When it right. comes to, and they're in the field of grief. So, right. so it's just not part of how they see the world, and that's fine. So I feel the biggest movement you can have is just by you know, going on podcasts like yourself and doing articles and just continuing to raise awareness of the research you've done and then also with that, you're going to find a lot of new interesting questions to ask as you move forward. So what are some of the other uh, interesting findings that you've, you've come up with through this research? So another big one was the, the function. So why are we even dreaming of the deceased? You know, and so that was my last, for my PhD, that was my last study. And what was interesting is, so trauma is one of those things, trauma recovery. So one of the theories when it comes to trauma is that you know it's a memory issue and so when we dream of the traumatic situation you're trying the mind's trying to work through the horror of what happened mm-hmm. and it could be in 
as it happened or an exaggerated form. So you may not have been there, but now you're dreaming about as if you were there. Mm -hmm. And so we found that, you know, these negative dreams do affect that. But there's also these dreams that are a little different than what actually happened. And the theory goes there is that the mind's trying to actually process the loss. Since the imagery is changing, it's trying to process the loss and help you work through this. And so when people say, I don't want to remember my dreams or I don't like, no, like you want to remember these dreams because there's a lot of rich detail for you and what you're trying to process, even if you're not conscious of it in waking life. And this is why I love dreams so much because there is a side of you that you don't know that's coming to sort of say, Hey, mm -hmm. this exists. Um, and so, that's one reason. So trauma is one big reason. And then you have all these, these negative dreams, um, other negative dreams that maybe not trauma related per se, but maybe the deceased is chasing you or you mm -hmm. know, something like that. And so we looked at that. And one of the, one of the things that negative dreams can do for someone is uh, regulate their emotions. And you may say, how would that regulate my emotions? I'm going to wake up sad. True. But if you're avoiding your emotions in waking life, the reality of the death, it could be the negative dream or it just also could be one of those tra uh, traumatic dreams of them dying again. And that in itself could open you up to the reality to sort of break that denial that's really easy to maintain or to mm -hmm. suppress because people do have um, a coping mechanism, which is, you know, can help you survive, but it can hinder you if it goes on too long. And so that can actually open you up to actually work through some of these, some of these emotions. Then also you have the positive dreams, as we're sort of talking about. So um, comforting dreams the most po is the most uh, common where the disease provides comfort in some way when it comes to your grief. Mm -hmm. And so here it regulates your emotions. So if you're sad, you know, going to bed like it happened with me, you wake up with, the, with basically a new life and you wake up with joy. And that can help, and that help me regulate my emotions. It's not taking away the sadness per se, just allowing you to have all the different types of emotions working equally. And that right. can help you then problem solve and work through your grief differently. Um, and then, you know, lastly is to maintain a continuing bond. So I've also done research on continuing bonds, which could be another podcast on itself, but they actually, you know, like there's been some debate on if they're even helpful or not, if maintaining a bond is helpful. And so one of the things we're looking at, is it helpful? And uh, it is. So when it comes to these dreams, these dreams can also be continuing bonds and help people maintain continuing bonds. If you're spiritual or not, like you don't mm -hmm. need to be spiritual. To maintain a continuing bond because some people will have dreams of past memories they've forgotten um and that in itself is a continuing bond so you're just trying to remember you remembering this deceased and feeling connected with them as you move forward so these are some of the functions of these dreams in our waking life and when it comes to i should mention too when it comes to dream recall there are ways to increase your dream recall to hopefully then increase your probability of um, having a dream of the deceased and so our dream recall isn't set in stone. It's actually mm -hmm. pretty fluid. And so one of the things to do is to write down your dreams and talk about your dreams more often. Mm -hmm. And what you're telling yourself is that dreams are, these dreams are important. And in our culture, we don't really talk about dreams. And if we do, it's not in any kind of, I don't know, scientific way. Right. <laughs> and right. so when you look, when you look and you search to try and find meaning, you're getting all these weird ideas and people's opinions on these dreams that you know, I want to sort of caution people not to take seriously because everyone's dream symbols are different. Mm -hmm. But just writing down your dreams can help increase the recall and hopefully maybe even increase uh, the chance of you obtaining one of these, remembering one of these dreams 
but 10% of the population doesn't remember dreaming, even though they are. So that should be a caveat into when I said like 86% of spouses mm-hmm. and partners would remember to dream of the deceased. You would think 10% of people just don't remember dreams in general. So that's right. almost everyone are having one of these dreams if they're dreaming. And I think right. that's really fabulous. Right. And it could be too, you know, I mean, grief sometimes um, disrupts your sleep patterns. And, you know, if you're not, if you're sleeping not as soundly, uh, you might not get into that state, you know, you just never know. But um, so, so when you are talking to a group of grievers, because I think that's the, how you're going to, you know, that's, that's how you're going to make your mark. And it's not going to be through academia. Like you said, it's going to be through the grassroots of getting to the people that are having Mm -hmm. these experiences. Um, When you talk to these groups of people, um, do you tell them how to better interpret the next one or what to look for or how they can utilize these dreams towards their healing process? Yeah, all the time. And usually people come to me with the dreams they've had, and that's what we talk about. And then that in itself will help people understand how to connect their waking life to their dreams. And then from there, that helps them understand future dreams that they, they will have mm-hmm. at some point. And, you know, not just, you know, dreams of the deceased, but like all, all the dreams that you're having after grief are probably reflective at some point of, uh, about your loss, but they may not just have the deceased in them. And those may be more negative. We haven't that's one thing I do want to look at in the future is how are dreams of the deceased, how does that relate to their dreams in general without the deceased? And there should be a difference, I would think. I would think mm-hmm. people are dreaming just more negative imagery like you would do after trauma, but it's just when the deceased is in the imagery, that's when it's positive. What do you find most fascinating about this work? I get to talk to people. <laughs> like <laughs> People open up and share. And that's something that I value so strongly because I love honest conversations in my life. And because they're coming to me with these dreams or just with a sense of urgency, they're willing to talk about anything in their life. They're almost like an open book. And I value that so strongly because that's what is meaningful to me in my life. The weather is nice, but your struggles and what you're going through and how you're trying to cope means so much more to me. And so I really love that that has brought me here people have those conversations and that's the whole reason we have the podcast too is we get to record some of those conversations (laughs) so um tell people how they can find out more about the work you're doing about your podcast and all of the the great things about the the work of of grief dreams yeah so you can uh, go to griefdreams.ca and on there there's so much information um you take hours just looking at it all but the common questions is a big one you can go to that page to really read more about the stuff that we didn't talk about today. And then, you know, you can find the, you know, the grief dreams podcast on really any podcasting platform that's out there is also links in my, uh, on the website. And then I'm always on, I'm really active on Instagram. Mm-hmm. So at grief dreams, I always post streams on there and then also, you know, anything new in the, in the field. So that's uh, those are the spaces to go to. And and say, if you have any questions about the topic in general, feel free to email me. I always answer those emails because I think it's important for people to not be scared of these dreams and to actually find meaning within them. Well, Dr. Joshua Black, it has been a pleasure and an honor to speak with you. I thank you for answering the call uh, to the work that you're doing because I find that it is going to help so many people in their healing journey 
and um, it takes someone with with a big heart and um, and a lot of love to share with everyone. So thank you very much for being my guest today. Thank you for having me. I'm Sherry Dunleavy, and you've been listening to the Grief Anonymous podcast. For more information on today's guest, the Grief Anonymous program, or the Grief Resource Network, go to griefanonymous.com or griefresourcenetwork.com. For more information on my book, workshops, or talks, go to sherrydunleavy.com. If you haven't yet, go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Thanks for listening.